what a great thing children are. I find it so amazing that our nation and the state that it's in, financially terrible shape, all types of things that are going on in the nation, and yet by the way politics are going, the most important thing today in many of the elections to many people are abortion. It's not how much you're paying for gas. It's not how high groceries are. The most important thing is they're polling people as they come out of the exit polls and the way that they're voting. It's so a woman can have a right to murder her baby. That tells us where we are, friends. We would have never thought our nation would have ever come to a place to where it is in so many ways. We can see all the protests around different cities of America and around the world, and people that are protesting for baby murderers, Hamas I'm talking about. Can you imagine a human being taking a baby, a live one, turning up a gas oven and sticking a live baby? A turkey, I could see. A ham, a chicken. A baby? Do you understand that's what happened to Israel just over a month ago? Taking babies and sticking them in the ovens. Cutting babies' feet off. Decapitating human beings. It's bad enough for them to do it. And we've got hundreds and thousands of people all over the world that are saying they've got a right to do so. And what's really sad about it is many of those people do not realize that if Sharia law would ever gain, it won't, we know that, but if it would ever gain world dominance, do you understand what the leaders of Hamas have said? Israel is only the beginning. They want to annihilate every Christian. Every one of them. Every Christian. Every Jew, every homosexual, you're a walking dead man or a dead woman. You understand whenever Muhammad was convinced, he took up for the Jews initially. Anybody ever read the Koran? I've got one. He called them the people of the book. That was so until he went to Medina. When he goes to Medina, and meets with the Jews, he's totally convinced they're going to receive him as a prophet. And whenever he goes there, the Jews say, you're a false prophet. Because you ain't saying what Moses said. You ain't saying what Jeremiah said. That's what started the conflict of the Muslims with the Jews. Why is it? Why is it? They're the most hated people that have ever lived on the face of the earth. Somebody say? Amen. Well, it's also the same way with the bride of Christ. She's the most hated of all the religious that there is in the world. But I'm so glad that there's a people that still got the right mind. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know how blessed you are to be able to disagree with somebody and not want to kill them, murder them? Praise the Lord. That was my greeting to you today. How y'all doing?
Let's turn to the book of Luke, if you would, today. Luke, Luke chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 11. I love this parable. It's a phenomenal parable. Um, may the Lord help us today as we look into his word. Luke 8, chapter 8, verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. My goodness, can you imagine a being that is so strong that a person can hear the truth and the word falls down into their hearts and the devil will come and actually take that word right out of their hearts. But I want you to notice Jesus, when he interprets this parable, he does not say he takes it out of people's souls, only their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These people went a step further. So they heard the word and they said, that's awesome. That is so good. That's so wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to change my ways. This is what I want. Now notice what can happen to them. When they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root. Which for a while... Belief. How many have we seen down through the years? And in time of temptation, fall away. That which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. I want you to notice these now. The devil doesn't exactly take it out of them completely, but they just never become a fruitful Christian. They hold a profession, but they don't have any fruit to perfection. Verse 15. I hope every person here today is verse 15. But that on the good ground, that in amazing Jesus does not differentiate between the seed. What he differentiates between is the ground where the seed landed. Not the seed, but where the seed landed. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Having heard the word, notice what they do now, so they hear it. And they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Praise the Lord. So they hear it, they keep it, and they bring forth fruit with patience. So even fruit bearing is not enough. It has to be fruit bearing 
with patience. So I'd like to speak to you this morning for a little bit on a life filled with patience. And may like to be remembered today. Heavenly Father, as we approach you, Lord Jesus, it's been said now for millennium that the Lord is coming. It's been said in sermons and songs. It's been talked about by millions and millions of people for the last 2,000 years. Jesus is going to come back. But we believe we are closer than any other generation to that actually happening. We look about us, we see the signs everywhere. We see the spiritual darkness that's upon the nations, the gross darkness that is upon the people. Father, we are so grateful for the evening light that was promised to be here. May you help each of us today. Father, as the word goes forth, may it land on good ground. Lord Jesus, may we bring forth that word with patience. May fruit come out of our lives, fruit that will produce a body change. Help me to get out of the way, Lord. I need you. Speak through us your words of life, I pray in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a great thing patience is. How many's got a whole bunch of it? How many's got a little? A little bit? I was standing not long ago at the Carter County Bank, and the lady there that was waiting on me said, you have to excuse me, preacher, that's what she calls me, preacher, because we've got a lot going on today, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty impatient. Now, this is a Christian woman. And uh, I said, well, you know what the Bible says, don't you, ma'am? And she said, well, about what? And I said, about patience. I said, the Bible says tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience. Experience, hope. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Whenever I was talking to her, another teller walked up and said, what did you just say? So I went back to that verse again in Romans and quoted it to her again. Or there's another one come over and wanted to hear the same thing. So I had a little Bible teaching there at the Carter County Bank. And she said, the lady I was talking to initially said, oh Lord, I'm not sure I need to ask for patience more then. But really patience is not something that we will get by asking for it. It's not something like healing or another petition that we place before God and we say, God, I need patience and then tomorrow it's in the mail. Or next week, God actually just lets it drop out of heaven to you. But patience is one of the divine graces that come from the attributes of God, which is something molded deep within the child of God by their walk. The Holy Ghost comes, of course, we know by us receiving him and him actually receiving us. He seals us to the day of our redemption. Healing can be instantaneous. Many things God can do for us that are instant, but patience is not one of them. 
Patience is something that comes by testing and trying. The Lord Jesus, knowing now the gospel is going to be sown, Luke writes this a little bit different than Matthew does as far as the parable, but I love the way that Luke words it in that he picks the category of the earth and he shows how that people will be able to hear. He gives us many parables about the seed that was going to be sown. He likened it to a fisherman that would go out and cast a big net. And whenever the fisherman would go to drawing in, he had no idea what all was in the net, but they would just start pulling it. And they would pull and pull, and then they'd pull them in the boat. They would find eels. They would find all types of things that by the Levitical law, Jews could not eat. So they would throw them back in. They couldn't eat an eel, throw it back in. Shellfish, throw it back in. All kinds of things they could not eat. So he likened the gospel and the kingdom to being like a fisherman. So whenever he spoke in parables, and it must have been very confusing to some because the Bible says even the disciples, when they were alone with Jesus, they said, what does this mean? We don't, we don't understand. So is the setting of Luke 8. So they asked Jesus, well, what did you mean by this? Because he said, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a sower. So a sower went forth to sow his seed. So you imagine, now this is the way they did it in their day. They would take it by hand and they would sow the seed. So they'd walk about and they would sow the seeds here and there. Jesus knew they were all aware of that. So he said, that's the way you're fixing to start preaching. Preaching is like that. So you will start sowing the seed. Now you don't know who is there. You don't know who's got good ground and who don't. That ain't none of your business. You just sow. So you're going to go out and you're going to start sowing. And there'll be some, my, they'll respond. They'll say, praise God. I've been searching and looking my whole life for an answer to all my problems. And a lot of people are. And they will hear that and it does something to them and it really moves them. And they say, my goodness, I believe this is, the, this is the answer to all of my life's problems. And they'll receive it, some of them, and others of them, it lays right there and say, oh, I've heard that all my life. I've heard about religion, I've heard this and that. And while they're pondering over it and thinking about it, the birds will fly over and the birds will see it. So the bird gets his eye on that seed and he goes down and he picks it right up from the person before they ever walk out the door. And they walk out the door. What'd you think about the service? I've heard that before. Man, I ain't got time for no religion. I know some of them people that go to that church. There's hypocrites that go there. We don't deny that, but we're hoping they'll get saved. We don't deny it. You don't let that stop you from going to Walmart, do you? Well, if you go to Walmart, there's hypocrites there. Some of you is gonna to go to restaurants after a while. You're gonna be served by gay people. Is that gonna stop you from eating? You're gonna be served by hypocrites and devils. Is that gonna stop you? No, it's the same way about coming to the house of God. There's, there's ill people that walk through them doors. There's some sad people that walk through them doors, but there's some good people that walk through them doors too. 
So the thing of it is, are you going to let what we're handing out be hindered by the people that come in? Or are you going to say, I'm going there not to take count of the hypocrites. I'm not going there to watch this one or that one. I'm going there to be changed myself. That's the way we need to look at it. Now some, whenever they hear it, you know, they just don't, it doesn't really spark hardly anything at all. Others, Jesus said, they'll hear it and they'll receive the word, as Matthew says, anon, anon with joy. And my, they are so happy and it actually starts doing something for them. And they'll let things go. They'll let go of this and that. I had a terrible temper. I had a really bad habit and God changed me. And boy, they're just so happy. And people can look around and say, can you get over him? Can you get over her? How she is so changed. And then trouble comes. Tribulation comes. And they say, I didn't realize being a Christian was going to be so hard. I didn't know people would laugh at you. I didn't know that you'd go through trials and tests like this before. Well, I'll tell you, you will. You see, the devil is the type of king that wants everyone to come into his kingdom. But what he does, he hides their destiny. He hides the end result. If Satan would be honest and show every one of us five minutes in the regions of the lost. We would feel the darkness penetrating our souls. We would hear the screams, the hollers, the crying of the damned and the doomed. And we would see them demon spirits haunting people. And as you arrive, they come up to you and go, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you're looking for mama, but there ain't no mama. You're looking for daddy, and there ain't no daddy. If he would let us see just a couple of minutes, I guarantee you this altar would be filled with people. But he ain't going to show you that. He wants to keep the end result of your choice in choosing him away from you until it's too late. But you see, the Lord Jesus ain't like that. Jesus will let you know. If you come after me, people's going to hate you. If you come after me, people will make fun of you. People will despise you. You know why? He has nothing to hide. The Lord Jesus wants you to know that your name will be cast out as evil. People will make fun of you in life because he wants you to serve him with all of your heart. But he wants you to know this is not the easy way. This is the straight and the narrow, and that's what makes the people of God so outstanding. They look at Satan and his choices, and they see that he's hiding the real, he's hiding the real depths of what they will get. Satan hides that from his people. But the Lord Jesus shows them exactly many of the things of life, and yet they choose, and he said, oh, I love them so much. They chose me in spite of all the things I told them would come their way. But Satan can't do that. But you see, the Lord set forth and finally he brings the last category into this parable. And that was those that would be able to receive the seed word in the good ground of their hearts. Now he said, on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. I wonder how in the world that's even possible. 
Since the same Lord Jesus said, there is none good, no, not one. How in the world could he say anybody would have an honest and a good heart unless the power of transformation had already started working on their heart and it was a soil that was predetermined to receive the seed. Now that within itself is wonderful, but I want you to notice how it goes on. Which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word. Now that part doesn't make them any different than the rest of the people. But they heard it and they kept it. Unlike the person that the birds come through, picked it up. Unlike the other person that they received it for a while and then the things of the world got in the way and the other stage of the people that the pleasures of life, the riches of life, the things of life and you know, he didn't say that the birds took it but actually the weeds choked it out. So the weeds are the difficulties of life and the trials and the things you go through. And the weeds grew up and grew up and got bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger and actually wrapped their tentacles as it were around the word and begin to choke the very life right out of the word. And before long that person said, I don't know what's happened to me. I used to love to go to church. I used to love to read my Bible. And I used to love to pray, but it seemed like I just don't, I don't find pleasure in it anymore. It ain't no wonder. The things of life have choked out the word and the word is. (laughs) And the word dies in their hearts. But Jesus said this category of people hear it and they keep it. They go to church, of course, and they get hold on. So the preacher gets up there and he goes to grubbing around a little bit over here and he'll grub around a little bit over there. And, and you know, a lot of folks don't mind that as long as he's grubbing around you or you. Just don't touch them. No. Every one of us need to be grubbed around, don't we? Why? Because it's just something about nature. Wonder who puts miracle grow on the morning glories? Wonder who puts miracle grow on all the weeds? Those of you that have a garden, isn't it amazing? You till it, you, you disc it, you do everything and you plant the rows and you put your half runner beans and you put your sweet corn and your maters and your taters and your watermelons and all that out of there and then you go to looking and there wasn't nothing out there and all of a sudden here come Johnson grass and here come this grass and that grass and you're out there a chopping and a hoeing and a carrying on. Who in the world waters them? Who in the world puts that miracle grow on them and makes them grow? It's actually in the dirt itself. And yet if you don't take care of that, you have just wasted your money in buying them seeds. You've wasted your money in planting them. Is that right? So if you're going to get a garden, you're going to have to work at it. It's the same way with our walk with God. But many folks want God to do it all. And they say, well, that's why we pay the preacher. So the preacher can do the praying. And the preacher can do this and that and the other. Well, I do that. I do pray. I do read my Bible. I study. I do what I can to bring you the fruit of the word of God. But if you don't chop around your own life as well, it ain't going to do you a whole lot of good. But this category of people, what they do, they hear the word and they keep 
the word and they bring forth fruit. Now, what is the fruit? The fruit is the stage of the word once it comes into fruition. In other words, it does not stay there in word form. You see, a life lived by the word is the word expressed. So the Lord Jesus didn't come to the earth just so that he could have a bunch of Bibles that would be published and would hand out Bibles to everybody and then everybody that would have a Bible would be the word made manifest. That's not the way it works. It's actually when you hear the word, you receive the word, then the word comes into your soul and becomes quickened by the power of God. Then when it does, that word transforms and changes itself into the fruit stage of the word. Now many people, all they do is read the word, listen to tapes, read the Bible, whatever it is, and they discuss it and they talk about it and they just go on and on and on how wonderful the word is, but it's never changed from word stage to fruit stage. So what is the fruit? The manifestation of that promised word that lives out in a human being's life. And somebody said, that's what he's coming for is when the word becomes fruit. Just like you, if you only want two or three grains of corn, why plant your garden? Why not just eat the seeds that you do? Why not eat your half runner or bean seeds? Why do you do that? Because you want more, don't you? So you take one little pack and you plant a row and another row and another row because you want more. That's what God wanted. God did not want just one perfect son. If he did, he should have never let the Lord Jesus die. But the Lord Jesus came so that he could plant a row and another row and another row and another row and bring forth sons and daughters of God all over the earth, which is exactly what's happening. Then with that, notice the way Jesus says it, that they will bring forth fruit with patience. Now, what is patience? Well, you know, people look at it and say, well, I'm a man of very great patience. It, It runs as a nature in my family. Well, that's not the patience we're talking about. Some people are truly more patient than others. But this is not nature given by the natural birth. It is actually something that is cultured and grown by God himself. But God doesn't use blessings to do it. God does not use just signs, wonders, and miracles, even though we believe in that. But yet patience does not come by miracles. Patience does not come by healing or by shouting or by rejoicing. It comes by tests. Notice the prophet mentions this about about Noah and the statue of a perfect man. He said, Noah had patience. Yeah, Noah had real godly patience. God said, I'm gonna destroy this world with rain. Noah preached 120 years at it. Plenty of patience, he says. Not even dew fell from heaven. Wasn't nothing, just as dusty as it ever was for 120 years, but he was patient. Notice patience. Now, godly patience that Noah said it's going to rain and he does it for 120 years. And after that 120 years, it was just as dry as it was when Noah first started. Notice he said what God will do now. Just as dusty as it ever was for 120 years, but he was patient. Then God tries your patience. So for 120 years, God is working on this man's patience. So no results, nobody got saved other than his family. 
Nobody come. Oh, if they did come, they'd laugh at him, make fun of him, but had no converts at all, not one. So he has his sons and his sons' wives, and that's all. That's the very ones he started with. So he didn't really wind up with any more than what he started. So with patience, he preaches and preaches. Now remember, he's, he's building this big boat too, so he's working and he's preaching, and he's preaching and he's working. So what is God doing? God is building this man's patience. Now building and trying of patience is not even the same thing. So God is building his patience. Now God's going to try his patience. Now watch this. He says, after he told Noah, I want you to go ahead and get in the ark. I'm going to run the animals in there. And I want you to get in, climb way upstairs now so you can look at the top window. Now I want you to get in there. What does he tell these people? Tomorrow I've been preaching for 120 years. It's going to take place. Now what's God doing? So for seven days, he sets inside the ark. What's that for? God trying his patience to see if Noah will lose patience in the promise word of the message of the hour because it seems like nothing has happened except he's built this great big gigantic boat and now he's got all them animals in there with him and when he got in God shut the door Noah didn't shut the door. The animals didn't shut the door. God shut the door and he sat there day one, day two, day three, on through day seven. So what is God doing for seven days? He is now trying the patience of this man that already proved that he had patience, but patience that cannot be tried is not deemed godly. Praise the Lord. Notice David in Psalms 37, seven. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I love the way that the writers of the scripture would do. And they would state a fact and then they would kind of go to a paradoxical side of it. In other words, they would come with something that would be contrasting. This is what David does. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Now watch what patience will do. Patience will look at the promise of God and it will wait on God to be able to fulfill his word. And while you may be going through hard times in your life and struggling, you look around at the wicked and you can see that the wicked seem to have it a lot easier than you do as a child of God. David faced this so many times and he said, look at the ungodly. How can the ungodly prosper the way they do? He said, they spread forth their leaves as a green bay tree. And he said, look at the righteous, how they go through such difficulty. And David, this question was still unanswered by the time that David comes here. But he's found a little bit of insight to be able to say, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his own way. Now notice what David saw. He saw a servant of God that loved the Lord and the Lord wouldn't let him go this way or that way, couldn't do as he pleased. He had to obey the Lord and seemed like he had such a hard time. But he watched the wicked and they could do whatever they wanted to do. And it seemed like they prospered every way they turned. They was never tried. They was never tested. It seemed like whatever they touched was just blessed. And David said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand, but he come to at least this recognition that we have to wait patiently 
on the Lord. How many needs help to wait patiently on the Lord? Psalm 40 and 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Notice how patience now is tied to a son or daughter of God waiting for an answer, a manifestation of a real need in your life and you're crying and you're praying and it seemed like God is not hearing you. Again, New Testament, Luke chapter 21, verse 19. What a paramount scripture this is. In your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience. Notice Jesus doesn't say, in my patience. But in your patience, possess ye your souls. This is one of your rights, children to have a life full of godly patience. I know it's hard on us. We got instant coffee. We got instant potatoes. We got instant warm-up meals from microwaves. We got instant drive-through. And you know how them are. They ain't instant either. You just get to a place where you tell them, go ahead and give me what you want till you're gone to anyway. You go through and get a Big Mac and you get a Burger King Whopper. You think, how in the world is that possible for McDonald's? You order a ham and egg biscuit and they wind up giving you a bologna and cheese. I mean, you say, how in the world could this happen? <laughs> but God has a way of trying his people in an instant fast age. So a man gets saved today, by next week he feels like he's called to preach and he wants to start him a church. <laughs> a man sings in a honky-tonk one week and next week he gets saved and we get him up on the platform and let him start singing and picking his guitar. Don't even let him be tried a little bit. Come on, don't get quiet on me. And yet we realize God has not changed at all in the way that he makes Christians. God still makes Christians the same way that he made the first one, the slow tried process. And boy, it's hard on us Laodiceans. Now watch, in your patience possess ye your souls. Now this is the way you and I are gonna possess our souls. By patiently bearing all afflictions, reproaches, indignities, shame, humiliation, persecution. Let nothing disturb or distress you even when God will say no. And you ask him fervently, God, I need this. God, please move this way. Please, God. And yet sometimes God will say yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says, wait a while. Oh, I never did like that word. I find it amazing. You have a doctor's appointment at 10 o'clock in the morning. At 10.15, you're still sitting there watching. At 10.20, you're watching. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you by 10.30 have already gotten mad and left the doctor's office? But it depends on how sick you are. Some of you would sit there, as Carol and I did a while ago, not too long back, to where the, we went to see a heart doctor, you know, just to get a checkup and all that sort of thing. 30 minutes passed, 45 minutes passed, an hour passed, an hour and a half passed. They finally come out and said, you know what, we've had a little bit of delay. Y'all want to reschedule? We said, well, we done cleaned up and dressed up. We might as well just wait. So we sat there and waited and waited, but I thought, I wonder how many people would be willing to wait on a preacher to talk to him that long. 
they'd get madder and a hornet and go to another church while I tried to talk to him for five minutes and he was so busy he wouldn't even have time. But the real people of God are an example of divine patience because they will knock and they will knock. Come on, somebody, say amen. A real son or daughter of God puts their need and their situation and their problems into the hands of Jesus and they tell him, Lord, I hope you like looking at my face because I ain't leaving until I get what I have need of. If I get it today, that's fine. If I don't get it today, I'll get it next week. But however long it takes is exactly what I'm gonna do. Now, what you notice then, so there's something about divinity that God blends into the measuring and the making of this type of thing. Why? Because God himself is called the God of patience. Isn't that amazing? He's not called the God of money. He's not called the God of many things that we love and many things that we fill our lives with, yet he's called in the Bible the God of patience. So there is a godly patience that we must have. Acts chapter 14, verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, now listen to the apostolic way, that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Notice the word tribulation. The ellipsis, affliction, trouble, anguish, pressing, pressing together, pressure. How many feels pressure in the age we're living? Oppression. And distress. So you mean this is the way we enter into the kingdom of God? Well, where's the easy believism that is so preached among so many in the day that we live in that you just do whatever you want to do? And well, if you want to go to church, it's okay. If you don't, it don't really matter. You know, if you want to live right, it don't really matter. Where does that come from? From the Bible. That is not in the Bible. Notice now, this is what the apostolic doctrine was in the book of Acts. We'll look at it again maybe on Wednesday night. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Romans chapter five, verse three. And not only so, but we glory. Oh my goodness. We glory in tribulation. How many needs help? How many needs help with this scripture? Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So what is patience in? Endurance under trials without sustaining loss or deterioration. Endurance under trials without sustaining loss or under deterioration. So in other words, it's when you and I are going through something that is so trying. Oh, but that's my faith. Yes, faith coupled with patience. Faith believes he will move, but patience will wait it out. 
You see, people can lose their faith and they don't understand why. It's because they don't emphasize and realize the importance of patience coupled together with faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But we must have patience coupled with faith in order to bring a long-during promise to pass. Now what happens, many people will begin to deteriorate. They ask God, oh God, I need this. God, I want that. God, please move. And they ask and they ask and they think, well, what in the world happened? I don't understand what's going on. Well, maybe God is trying your patience. Now you see, it's not so much for God's benefit. It's for our own. It's to help us to see either we don't have much or we've got a little and he wants us to have much and the test is the only thing that will tell you. Wouldn't it be so nice that this morning each of us could walk up on a patience scale. We'd walk up and we'd plant our feet and we'd stand right there and stand still. And then the needle goes up and said, whoa, wow, you're about to blow the needle. Oh, my goodness. Or I wonder if we would walk up on it and the needle barely moved and the needle said, was that a fly that come through? Was that a speck of dust? And then Dr. God says, now tell what I'm going to do. I'm going to write you a script. We're script age, aren't we? I'm going to write you a script. Go by Walgreens, CVS, wherever it is, and you just pick this up. It should be number than 30 minutes or so. You take these three times a day, and by the end of 30 days, I promise you, you will have so much patience. Why, your wife can burn your toast every day. She can fry your eggs, and she knows you don't want them fried. You don't want them over easy. You want, and it won't even bother you. The kids will raise their voice. The preacher will stomp all over your toes, and you won't even get mad no more. Brother Louie will sing a song and he knows you don't like that song and you'll sit right there and before you know it you'll start smiling like a possum and you'll go to clapping your hand glory to God I love that song I love that song within 30 days you will have the most abundance of patience you've ever seen in your life how we wish but instead God looks at us and said Brad Gilbert you need more patience Paul Arrowwood, oh, you've got that million dollar smile, but you ain't got near enough patience, boy. <laughs> so God will let trouble and difficulty. Of course, you know what trouble does to us praying people? We pray, we pray more, yes. don't we? we? We pray more. We ask God for more. And we ask God for his help and his intervention. And then we look at where we are and we think, God, what's the matter with me? I've asked and I've asked and I've asked in faith. Believe it. Is there a reason, Lord? There's something in my life. It's the second phase, the coupling together of your faith with your patience. God is trying you to see, will you lose some of what you have if he stretches it out? And he doesn't answer as soon as you thought. And what's amazing is, he may answer somebody else's prayer, nearly the same prayer, and they'll get it so soon, and they don't even live half as good as you do. As a matter of fact, I sat the other day talking to a businessman, and he was telling me about Erica's funeral. 
It went to our website, saw the service, complimenting the ministers and the service, and never seen anything like it, never heard anything like it. He said, then I went to your website and I heard the sermon you preached on why. And he went to tell me that he had a brother that had passed with COVID. And there was another preacher that had come to their church. His brother was a pastor, actually. And there was a preacher that come to their church, and this preacher also had COVID. But he lived. And there sat his sister-in-law, which heard the testimony of this man that God moved for, and it throwed her in one of the greatest battles of her life because his testimony brought a negative reaction to her. And she couldn't understand. If God would heal that man, why didn't he heal her husband? Why did God take her husband, which was also a preacher, and let this man live? So you see, whenever we don't understand things, it can certainly try our patience. And we're waiting, and we're waiting. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself almost resentful toward God for healing this person of this situation. And you had a dear friend that died with the same thing. And then you go to question. You see what's happening is that under this, your faith is deteriorated. Your patience is actually breaking up and you're struggling because why? You don't understand. But you see, faith will hold on even when your understanding is unfruitful. Somebody said, and we will sustain loss during this. So this is actually the word that Paul used was a metaphor that was used for refining metals. Gold, silver, brass, bronze. I mean, know that all these things come from where? They come from the earth. Then they found it out many, many years ago, the metallurgical value of brass and iron and tin and gold and silver, and it all comes from the earth. But it, it doesn't just lay there pure gold by itself. It doesn't lay there uranium, titanium. You know, there's a, a big silica mine over here in North Carolina, which is one of the purest in the entire world. Hey, but hour and a half or so from here. And yet, whenever they go in that and find all of that, they still have to run it through a purification process. It's there, but it's mixed up with earth. I believe a lot of y'all got love, mercy, kindness, grace, forgiveness, all of that thing, but that purity is mixed up with your humanity. And it dilutes the purity of what we have by how much humanity that we have left. So what do they have to do? They have to run it through a process. And then each time they run it through the process, it makes it more pure. You've heard me tell about the gold mine that Carol and I saw years ago in South Africa. And there in that gold mine, they had the same amount of gold and they would heat it up and it would become more pure each time they would heat it up. It took out more dross and more dross and more dross. Each time God lets us go through something, it's actually taking more impurities out and letting the real genuine shine more. How many wants that with all your heart? How many wants the process? Notice what Paul says now. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience 
experience and experience hope. Now look at the coupling together of this train. So it's like you've got one car hooked to another, hooked to another. Now you just say, well, there's the engine, that's the train. No, that's not the complete train. Well, the caboose, that's, that's, the, that's the life sign. That's not the complete train. One hook to another, to another, to another. Patience and experience and experience hope. And the hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad on our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So experience, hope, oh, all those things are wonderful. But notice where it comes. So tribulation worketh patience. It doesn't create it. It doesn't make it. It works it. It works it. So you got a guy that goes into the gym. He's getting a little bit pudgy. A little bit of flab hanging off there. So his wife buys him a monthly admission into the local gym. So he goes in there and he sees some guy sitting there. Boy, they can bench press how much ever. This other guy walks in there and says, if they can do her, I can do her. So he reaches down there, 175 pounds. I'll be back next week. <laughs> Stopping at the drugstore on his way back home to buy some analgesic. And you see, that's the way many new converts are. They come to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll reach down there and boy, I've been special. Uh, maybe I should start out with five pounds. So what do you do? You work up to it. So you start taking whatever you start, and you, goodness gracious, I didn't realize that could be so bad. And you do it again, and you make another trip to church, I mean to the gym. And you're hearing, and you're hearing, and you're getting stronger and stronger, and say, hey, I'm pretty good with that 15 pounder now. <laughs> I'm really going to take a jump, 17 and a half. I'm going to really jump up, and then before you know it, 20, 25, 50, 100, whatever it is. And it's the same way with tribulation. It works that. It works it like a muscle in our spiritual mechanism that God gives us as the people of God. So tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope. Hope make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our Holy Ghost. But yet many people in this age don't want that. Amen. I need patience, Lord, and I want it now. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not. Now remember, hope is faith's little sister. But don't you do away with her. She's still part of the family of God. The Bible tells us about Abraham and Hebrews. 
against hope. He believed in hope. Notice then he says, for if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with faith. What about faith? Faith and patience should be coupled together to make the chain. You see, hope is more than just something that might exist. It's something that you know it's a valid claim supported by faith. Don't go away with hope. To keep that which you've committed to the Lord against that day. Notice again in Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Watch how these things link. Patience and comfort will help produce hope. We want it all in one package. Get every bit of it at once. God says, nope, I ain't never made a Christian like that. I ain't gonna start making one now. I'm gonna make mine the same way. Now notice Romans 15, five. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that you may have one mind and one mouth glorify God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great thing it is to have a life filled with patience. Praise God. Second Corinthians 6, 4. But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. How many can shout when you're under such burdens? How many tends to complain? How many tends to gripe and grumble and I don't understand why, what have I done? Well, that's, that's where most of us are. That's where we fit. This is why we need this, to help us. Oh, my. Thank you, Lord God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Remember, 2 Thessalonians is written around 55 to 60 AD. They were cutting their heads off. Remember the time of Nero. He had all these vast gardens around his palace. And they would dip Christians in pitch. Tar, T-A-R, pitch. Wrapped them in sheep's clothes. They said, well, Jesus, Jesus said that they were sheep. So they would put fleece around them Christians and pour that tar pitch on their bodies, on that wool, and set them on fire. 
And Nero would walk through his garden at night looking at all his plants and all of his flowers and all of his trees. Not lit up by electric lights, but lit up by the saints of God being on fire. Your brothers and sisters. And Paul right to them, could you imagine a preacher trying to find words of comfort, preaching that God is a loving God, preaching that God is a merciful God. Mama gives it a little bit different view, doesn't it? So that we ourselves glory in the churches of God for your patience. So they'd find a woman that was pregnant carrying her baby and they'd take their knives and rip her belly open as a moss did just a few weeks ago and pull the baby out and dash its head against a stone and kill it. Lord God. Hebrews 6, 12. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them. Notice, followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And yet, when Sarah died, you know how much property Abraham had? None. He went to the field, in the cave, there was a cave there, in the field, cave of Machpelah, which means the cave of two mouths. God promised him the whole land, I'll give it all to you. And yet when the man died, the only thing he had in possession was a cemetery. But Paul identifies it and he said, he obtained the promise. Well, you couldn't prove it by title. Go down to the courthouse and search. How many land parcels does Abraham own? Abraham, 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 Abraham. Oh yeah, the sons of Heth. Yeah, the sons of Heth sold him this, this cave there, an exorbitant price. You compare the price of what they sold it to compared to the Hurrian text which they uncovered years and years ago. It was an exorbitant amount. Not the way Abraham looked at it. Because by revelation, he found out Job was buried there. And the only piece of ground the man owned was a cemetery. But Paul said he obtained it. Oh, glory to God. I remind you again, in case some of you are wondering, my daughter Erica obtained the promise. Brother Junior Davis obtained the promise. Others that we have prayed for obtained the promise. I mean, Carol was talking about coming to church and I told her, I said, she did not lose, the devil lost. The devil lost. It was not us as the children of God. We obtained the promise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise. Notice somebody close with this. Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of patience 
that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So you think, you mean after we believed, after we've had faith, faith believes he can and believes he will. But patience coupled with faith will say, I'm gonna wait until it happens because I have godly patience. Let's stand together. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with, with patience the race that is set before us. Hebrews 13, 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. James 1, 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But you see, if somehow we look at patience and think, what do you need patience for? I've got faith, I've got faith. But the trying of your faith actually works patience and brings it to the stage of fulfillment. How many Christians here today have been asking God for something? Healing for your body, salvation for a loved one for a long time? Long time? Maybe some of you asking for healing, some of you asking for the Holy Ghost, some of you asking for a husband, a wife, a son, or daughter. Don't think faith alone will bring it, but patience. Patience coupled with your faith. Notice James says in verse four, but let patience have her. I find this so amazing that he designates patience in the feminist gender. Now remember, the prophet tells us about faith, that faith has hair on his chest, which ain't a woman. If it does, she's really weird. But look at little weak patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect. Now this is not sinlessness, but it's teleos, the Greek word teleos, which means fully matured, lacking nothing. Don't you understand how people can have faith that God can heal but they don't have patience to endure child training. How many people have I prayed for? Brother Darrell prayed for. These other brothers have prayed for through the years that we've been here, and they would come and get a great miracle. Brother Ron Spencer was telling me not long ago of one of the greatest miracles he ever seen in his ministry. And it was at a woman in a hospital, and they called him to pray for her. The woman wasn't saved. The woman wasn't, wasn't serving the Lord in the light of the hour. And he goes in, and they'd give her just a few hours to live. 
And he prays for him. What he's praying for, God shows him a vision. He sees this woman walking down the hallway and he tells him by a certain time, she'll be out of here. The nurse said, sir, do you understand this woman's dying? He said, I didn't say that. The Lord's the one told me that. By the next day, the exact time that he said so, it happened. That woman still ain't serving God. Yet she had faith to believe it would happen, but patience to endure? Don't you understand faith alone? We'll not do it. We must be coupled with patience. How many needs help? Let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, complete, wanting nothing. Let's bow our heads. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to ask how many today wants trouble, how many wants tests and trials, and none of us want that, of course. But I do believe all of those of us today that are sincere before the Lord, we want to be perfect and entire, lacking nothing in our walk. How many say, Lord, help me today? Help me, Jesus. Lord God, I raise both my hands. Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth. When we come to this world, we did not have these divine things in us. Lord, when I give my heart to you as a 12-year-old boy, little did I know the years and years that it would take in my journey to develop and make these traits. Father, many of these believers standing here today have been saved for decades, and yet they still probably find themselves ripening and maturing in your presence. Lord, we don't want, just want faith, but we want faith with patience. So can we patiently wait while a person is prayed for and healed, and we know they don't even live really a consecrated life. And others are prayed for that live a better life and live more consecrated than that one does. And instead of healing them, you take them. Can we with patience then wait to see them in the resurrection? Help us, Lord. I believe, Lord Jesus, you are working on a people. Oh, I'm sure it's taken you all these years to work on me. Here I am, a 67-year-old man. Been serving you for 55 years. Oh, Lord, help me. Help my faith, my hope, my patience, my endurance. No, Lord, I'm not asking for trials. I'm not asking for more. But I trust your wisdom. That you'll allow to come our way what is necessary. That our patience can be tried. 
Lord, sometimes you answer in a way that is so surprising to us. It overwhelms us. Because you know how we are. We have our minds run in a certain direction. You're going to do this and this and this. And then you do something so different. And it, 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 just, it just overwhelms us. We don't know what to make of it. But we're so glad, Father, that we can say today you are perfect and you've never made a mistake. Lord God, may every child of God standing here today and those that will stream this service from around the world, may we fulfill that scripture in the parable in the book of Luke that the seed fell on the good ground and out of a good and sincere heart it began to bring forth fruit. Fruit with patience. Paul catches it, of course, and James as well, and says, let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Lord God, more than anything in this world, I want to please you, Jesus. Help me that I can be true, Father. And many would say with me today, would you just raise your hand, Lord? I want to please you. Every day of my life, on the job, at home, raising my family, at church, I want to please you, Lord. I want to be patient. I want to be patient with my brothers, patient with my sisters. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, flow through me. I will be that good Samaritan to someone else in need. Love through me, oh, love through me, Holy Spirit, love through me. Grant it, Lord God, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, I will be your house to dwell in. Lord God, love and forgive and reach out to us, Lord. Oh, I will be that good Samaritan to someone else in
Yes, forgive through me, Holy Spirit, forgive through me. Forgive it, Lord. Mean it with all your heart, now sing it. Forgive through me, Holy Spirit, forgive through me. As I lift my hands to worship and to magnify Thy name, forgive through me, Holy Spirit, forgive through me, oh, live through me, Holy Spirit, Oh, 
let's just sing it with all of our hearts. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord God. Take me, Jesus. Surely the 
Just raise your hands. Let him know that you know him this morning. I know the master of the wind. And I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storms and make the sun shine again I know the master of the wind my boat of life sails on a troubled sea whenever there's a wind in my But I have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns into a gale. You can be dismissed. Now I know the master of the wind. Now I know the maker of the rain. an eagle through the sky among the peaks my soul can be found an unexpected storm may drive me from the heights it will bring me low but it will never bring me down Again. 
make the sun to shine again.